Welcome to the Whole Self Podcast, where we talk about various mental health topics with an emphasis on the body, mind, and spirit connection. Our goal is to empower our listeners with the knowledge and tools needed to embark on their own healing journey. A gentle reminder that this podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and we encourage you to seek out your own therapy if needed. Hi, welcome to Whole Self Podcast. I'm Sharon Wegman, a licensed professional counselor. And I'm Mandy, the office administrator here. And today we're going to be talking about the impact of chronic illness and how it impacts mental health. It, it doesn't just impact the physical health. Mm-hmm. It impacts mental health. Yes. And spiritual health. Oh, yes. Body, soul, that. spirit, people. Yeah. It impacts everything. So Mandy's going to talk a little bit about her own struggles with um, chronic illness as we go along. Yep. Um, I've had, I was diagnosed about four years ago um, from... Uh, over antibiotic usage from being a teacher, I had um, a recurrent strep throat that I was on antibiotics for a while, and then that led to a chronic illness of the GI system. So, yeah. Oh goodness gracious! <laughs> it, I, I, it, she always tells the story. I mean, I've heard the story probably about a hundred times, <laughs> but every time I just feel so much compassion for her. <laughs> And I have compassion for the people that I counsel that also have chronic illness Mm -hmm. because it's often a topic that's in the therapy room because it impacts so many different things. Yeah, and it's interesting, too. There's not too many, like, resources out there for, like, mental health and chronic illness. Like, I remember when I was diagnosed, I found a lot. There's a lot of information on health stuff, like what to do to heal your gut and all those kinds of things, but nothing really talks about the impact it can have on your mental health. Yeah, and so that's that's why we're doing this podcast because um, our world is just kind of slowly collapsing into self, <laughs> <laughs> mentally, physically, and spiritually. Yeah. And the end result is we just really felt like this is something that people need to understand because they probably have people around them mm-hmm. that are dealing with chronic illness. Yeah, for sure. And we want to talk about that because the Western culture that we live in here in the United States is, let's fix this. Let's move on. Yes. What are you doing? Oh, my goodness. What do you need to change? Have you tried this supplement? You you haven't tried hard enough. (laughs) It's, It's very black and white thinking in our Western culture about moving forward. And we do not know how to sit with people in pain, which is very different than an Eastern mindset where these people are very taken care of mm-hmm. for years, maybe. And there's just a wide disparity of how the Western mindset impacts um, even the person who has the chronic illness, let alone the people around who are harassing this person. <laughs> this person. Yeah, because like I notice... Um like pre-chronic illness, if I would have an injury or have like a temporary sickness, people were like, oh yeah, like we know how to deal with this. And then, you know, having a chronic illness, people are like, um, you're still sick. We don't know what to do with you. <laughs> right. And so it's, it's really hard to have the people around you constantly judging mm-hmm. whether your illness is accurate or not. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what should you be doing differently? And for some reason, everybody just is trying to constantly come up with solutions. Yes. And that can be very irritating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we only know of one Christian 
uh, therapist who really addresses this a lot, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. K.J. Ramsey. Yeah. And I know you've read a lot of her stuff, and that was very helpful to you spiritually, yes. emotionally, and physically. Oh, yeah. yeah, a lot of her things, because she, I believe, is a trauma therapist, and she is also, she has an autoimmune disease, um, and she has so much just about, like, yes, I am sick, and yes, I can still honor my body, and it's okay for me to be in this place. Because I think it's also, like, Eastern and Western culture, but then also Christian culture can be tricky when it comes to chronic illness, because I feel like, and, and never overtly, you know, people trying to be mean, but I have gotten the little implications of, like, oh, well, you know, are you praying enough? Or, like... Mm. You know, well, God heals people, so what are you doing wrong? Right. That, um, that is that is a big frustration for mm-hmm. a lot of people that come into my office. If they haven't been healed, mm-hmm. they must be doing something wrong. Yeah. Yep. And that is a very, unfortunately, a spiritually toxic belief. Yeah. That I think somehow... Um, Spiritual people have taken in to be their truth, and it's mm. very destructive to the person who has illness. Yeah, because I think when you are chronically ill, like you're obviously trying everything you can to get better while also managing your stress levels. And then when you have this outside pressure, um, it feels even more stressful. Right. So as we're saying, it really impacts these. This is this is a big loss in how you relate to people, your relationships mm-hmm. and friendships. Yeah. And I think that that's our first point on how it can really impact your mental health is the amount of loss. And that was something I didn't really know at the time to name it as loss. I just knew that when I was diagnosed and my health got worse, it seemed like Everything about the way my life was changed, the way I relate to people, the way I de-stressed, the way I coped with hardship, all of that was completely different. But I didn't realize like, oh, that's a loss. I can name it and then grieve it. But it was like, no, just I'm just going to shove this down and uh, keep trying to get better. But there's a huge amount of loss that comes along with chronic illness. Right. And when and we talk about this a lot in therapy, that when people can't sit with their own pain. Oh, yeah. They cannot sit with other people's pain. Yeah. Hence why you need to go to therapy for the hundredth time. <laughs> but the but the idea is that really causes you to define who are your safe friends and who aren't. Yeah, yeah. Are they capable of sitting with your pain and be okay with you being in pain as opposed to trying to fix it? Yeah, yeah. And I think like a lot of friendships and relationships change because like the way you relate to those people can change. Like we had groups of friends that we primarily just went out to eat with. And then when that was taken away, it was like, you know, what do we do now? Right. Um, yeah. And it changes also like hobbies and self-care. So, you know, if you get home and I'm speaking more from a place of, um, food issues because that's primarily what my chronic illness is. But, you know, the way you take care of yourself, do you de-stress by cooking? Do you de-stress by hosting people for a big meal? Do you, you know, give yourself a break on a Saturday morning and bake, you know, cinnamon rolls and have like a cozy morning? Um, And a lot of those hobbies and the way you care for yourself can be impacted um, by whatever kind of chronic illness you're dealing with. It's true. I I was in a wheelchair for six months and I just felt Mm. so incapacitated in my ability to do the care that would bring me peace to my mental health, which which was walking for me. So I understand that part of it. Yeah. And it impacts your identity about what you are capable of doing. Mm. (laughs) Talk about that. Yeah. When, you know, pre-chronic illness, my husband and I were big uh, 
bicyclers, so we would go on really long bike rides, and we were very active, and I loved working out. And, you know, with chronic illness diagnosis came chronic inflammation, and then suddenly I couldn't do those things. So I kind of had to shift from, okay, like I'm this woman who loves food and loves outdoor stuff to now like those things have been taken away. And like, who, who am I in all of that? Yeah, no, it's huge. It's huge. And I watch that in my office as a therapist, because there's so many losses to it that it really is very traumatic. Yeah. It's really like taking in a lot of trauma throughout the process of being ill. Mm -hmm. And I I get sad for my clients because they will be ill for a long... If they are ill for longer than six weeks to two months, the amount of people that slowly drift away yeah increases so short short thing like oh they're in an emergency they broke their leg immediate like rush here's meals here's whatever but as time goes on the amount of people who continue to give them care gets smaller and smaller yeah. and smaller yeah and i think that just comes back to like us as a culture not be, being like equipped to like in my time of being sick i've had two family members diagnosed with cancer and then go into remission from cancer mm-hmm. so it's like Like, you know, we know how to rally around that to an extent. And then, you know, when it comes to these longer, you know, when you're sick for two plus years, it's like, we're not really sure what to do. Yeah. So in addition to the losses, there's just a lot of isolation to Uh, it. Because I think almost all social events are really tied to food in some way. And I didn't realize to what extent until Mandy was working here. And we're like, oh, we got to do that different. Yeah, we got to do that different because I didn't want to make her feel isolated regarding the social events. Um, So what else would that look like as far as isolation? Yeah, I mean, um, if I, you know, had a dollar for all the social events or like, you know, uh, holiday gatherings or baby showers or weddings that we either missed out on or had to make accommodations for, I feel like I'd probably have enough money to, like, pay for a month's worth of supplements. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so missing out on certain events, um, traditions that are based around foods, which are, like, tons of holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of traditions that helped you form your identity, like, those kind of no longer exist. Like, my family would always do a big Easter egg hunt and a certain meal on Easter. And then suddenly I couldn't really, like, partake in a lot of that. Because can't eat candy, can't eat the Easter meal. Uh, We had to, like, bring our own meal to Easter or skip out on it totally. So when Easter comes around, I'm like, there used to be so much joy for me tied to this day because of the tradition and the food. And now it's kind of like, oh, it's, what is this day now? Same food, different location. So lots of holiday trauma. Yeah. Lots of holiday trauma. And the associated traditions tied to holidays. So I don't like seeing anybody isolated. And I see that increasing, increasing. The Surgeon General put out a bulletin Mm. in May of this year, 2023, talking about how isolation is a very large contributor to poor mental health. Mm. And the numbers are increasing. They were large, but then COVID made them even larger. Yeah, And we see that in our practice. So for the chronically ill person, there is often a lot of isolation that impacts their mental health. 
Yeah, and I think if you're someone who's not chronically ill, like you maybe through and during the pandemic, you have a, re- a way to relate to people who do have to isolate, whether it's because of food or health issues. Um, but yeah, that that that's really tough. All right, so let's talk about mental health and chronic illness. Um, obviously, anxiety and depression is very tied to gut health, isn't it? It is. Talk about that. Yeah, I I learned this the hard way because, you know, the worse my gut got, the more depressed I felt. And I had never experienced depression before. Um, And I remember just being, like, very confused by that. And then, um, you know, through my own counseling experience, my counselor was like, well, you know, gut health is very much tied to, you know, certain chemicals in our body. And I found out that 90% of serotonin, um, is produced in the gut, and only really 10% is produced in the brain. Um, Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It, it's 90%. scary. It's really scary. So yeah. really, your diet really impacts your mental health. Yes. It's not just that it makes you feel like, oh, I'm lazy in my diet. It's literally, it's impacting your depression and anxiety. Yeah, and, and serotonin, you know, plays a huge role in the body. It carries messages between nerve cells of the brain and then throughout the rest of the body and it impacts learning mood depression bone health memory happiness sleep sexual behavior um hunger and even more so a lack of serotonin um, is really thought to play a role in anxiety and depression because of how vital serotonin is to the body so much yeah you know so even though i don't always have in other individuals with SIBO you know as far Mm -hmm. as their chronic illness i'm often telling them about here here's this handout on gut health start taking a really good probiotic that's good for your mood again i'm trying to work from the body up yeah yeah and that's what sometimes when you have a chronic illness you cannot do yeah because i think we kind of have a lack of awareness that the body is a complete system So, you know, what is happening in your brain affects your gut. What's happening in your gut affects the brain. They call the gut the second brain um, of the body. And then, you know, your gut affects your hormones, your neurotransmitters. So basically when you're experiencing chronic illness, it it can throw off your whole system. Yeah. And so there's just so much PTSD tied to, um, having any type of physical symptom. Yes. I, I, I was telling Mandy that because I have so many major falls involving my leg oh, no. from tennis, like oh. I made like so many major injuries that the second I like fall, I have this full PTSD response and and she was stating the same thing. Yeah. I mean any anything oh gosh, because with my chronic illness comes a lot of like chronic pain. And you know, there was one instance where I ended up having appendicitis as a result of what was going on in my gut. And it also coincided with the evening where I tried literally one cashew for the first time in months. So, like, I can't even look at cashews now. Like, I look at them and I'm like, get it away. (laughs) I don't want to go to the ER. Yeah. I feel that way about tennis, too. Yeah. (laughs) So, So, all right. So, what can we do to help with mental health and chronic illness? Um, We have you know, you are very clear on what impacts your body. Yes. And I think, you know, going through chronic illness, you learn to experience your body in a different way and you learn to trust it. Um, I think, you know, if you're open to it, you can learn during chronic illness just how much your body communicates to you and how much 
you know, like the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Like our bodies are very mm, wise. So um, wise. Yes. And so throughout your journey, you'll learn what helps your body. And then you'll also learn that it's okay to prioritize that and it's okay to do that. Um, whether that is, you know, this event is solely around food, I'm going to skip that, you know. Um, or I'm trying to think of other things. You know, like I know about like twice a week, I try to take like a really nice Epsom salt like detox bath. So I prioritize that. Even if we have other things going on, I try to make sure that happens. Um, yeah, and then also having a reliable and safe team. So whether it's a mental health professional, a doctor, a nutritionist, um, just having people who will listen to you and hear you and validate you and not brush you off. I know it's hard to find doctors like that sometimes, um, but really finding that support system of professionals who know your health issues and support you is really important. Yeah, and just the, the ability to grieve this situation. Americans mm. are not good at grieving. No. So. And I say that as someone who's not. <laughs> And so I think it's kind of, again, if I don't name it, I'm pushing it into my body. Yeah. And that's the last thing you personally need, right? Yeah. Yes. So I need to grieve it and name it so that my body's not absorbing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, I'm sure you've developed a lot of different hobbies. Yes. Yeah. I got really into essential oils, but not in like the way that they'll cure everything, you know, but more so in the way of like, I'm going to mix up this little like roller that smells really good. So I have a giant collection of essential oils or even like, um, I go to the library a lot more regularly than I did before and, and, and read and stuff, which is nice. Okay. But. Yeah. It changes, but there's good things out there, but it's just the still yeah. the feel the loss of what you used to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So let's talk about people who... We want people to become safe for people who have chronic illness. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to say that's trauma-informed. Yeah. Because yes, I want yes. people to have trauma-informed care that is safe for people with chronic illness. So one of the things that I suggest for people, I have a leadership program that I do with leaders. I suggest you are not going to remember to contact everybody that you're supposed to check in on. So you might have to put reminders in your phone. Yeah. Two weeks from now, check on this person. Three weeks from now, check on this person. Because of all the things that I hear in my office is when people don't follow up. Yeah. When leaders don't follow up and see, okay, let's talk about that more. Or how are you doing? What can we do to help? When there's no follow-up, mm -hmm. they feel very abandoned. Yeah. For sure. So leaders or whoever you are, friends, put reminders in your phone to make sure that you do it. Put it on your calendar to make sure you check on them. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we talked about is just validation and empathy is very powerful. Yes. Talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I've experienced a range of, like, I have some family members who have food issues, so they're very much able to empathize. And then I have family members who were like me before chronic illness were like never had a food allergy issue in their life. Um, so it's, it's kind of easy to spot who's very empathetic and who's not. Cause from the empathetic people you'll hear, Oh, like what food can I stock at my house to help you out? Or, you know, um, do you want me to cook something separate for you? Or do you want to just come after the meal time? Um, and then from maybe the not so trauma informed people, you'll hear things like, Oh, well, one bite won't hurt you. 
Like, why don't, why don't you just eat yogurt? Like, so sad. (laughs) Yeah. And and so I like hearing those things from people, you know, even if it's someone who makes a comment about the lunch that I'm bringing into work, because it it looks, you know, I'm eating mostly the same thing every day. It's kind of boring, but someone's like, oh, like that looks really good. It looks very colorful and very healthy. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) I guess it is. You know, you're right. Um, Yeah. So just having people who can put themselves into your shoes and empathize with you is very helpful. Right. And that comes to our next point, which is deal with your own discomfort. Mm -hmm. Don't make it the problem of the other person. Because if you're, if you have the need to say one bite isn't going to hurt you, that's literally you taking care of you. Yeah. (laughs) That's really not about the other person at all. Like what is going on within you that you need that person to eat the food more than their health needs them to not eat the food? That's that's about you. So deal with your own discomfort um, so that you can sit with people who are in discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it can even be as simple as saying like, I don't know what to say. Like, what do you need from me right now? True. You know, and like kind of starting to work that empathetic muscle of just being like, that sounds really hard. I have no idea what to do. Like, how can I help you is a good place to start. And sometimes I, I even say like sometimes it's not the words that you say, but it's the ability to sit with the person. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a friend who I may have told this story before whose daughter died when she was three suddenly. And, I, you know, what do you do? What do yeah. you say? Yeah. Right. And and she said the thing that helped her the most was there was a lady who came to her house every day for two weeks. And if she wanted to talk to the lady, she would. But if she didn't, the lady was just there. Yeah. That's just a level That's of so empathy nice. that people need to have for people yeah. who experience not just chronic illness, but all life destruction. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to create a foundation of people that care in this society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a big problem. It is. And I think, you know, the last few years have kind of had an impact on that because I think we're all kind of a little bit traumatized and sitting with hard things can kind of remind us of that traumatic time, which yeah. can feel hard. But I think, you know, between that and social media, we are kind of becoming more isolated as a society And so we kind of need to actively counteract that by learning how to care for people. That's true. And that's if I have this conversation once, I have it a hundred times in the course Mm -hmm. of a month. The world is much more isolated and that social media has really not helped that at all. Yeah. Yeah. We need a healing community and you need uh, to as a person who is experiencing chronic illness, you'd be able to experience that as part of your healing of just the trauma of this situation. Oh, yeah. And I think, oh, man, I can't, I should have looked this up, but there was someone who had um, chronic Lyme's disease, and um, this person shared, it was a blog post where they shared that there was this very small, like, mining community somewhere in the United States where... Um, it was it was very small. People typically didn't leave. And even though they had very unhealthy lifestyles, like smoking, drinking, working in a mine, um, they still had incredibly low rates of, like, bad health things. So mm. not a lot of heart disease, not a lot of, like, any kind of health issue. And then, like, as our, you know, society advanced a little bit and technology came into play, a lot of, like, the younger generation started leaving the community. And as that community broke up, their rates of health issues rose. 
<laughs> so sad. Yeah, but I, I like we, you know, we're created to be in community. And we are. Yeah, we're created to be connected to other people. And when you have something like chronic illness, it makes you feel isolated. And, you know, feeling isolated, whether it's from chronic illness or a pandemic or just, you know, your home growing up, you don't have much safety there. And you need safety to heal. Yeah, you do. And you need to be part of body, right? Mm-hmm. It says in the Bible, we are one body with many parts, and each part has their pl- part to play, mm-hmm. right? And so that sometimes is caring for people. Yeah. And we're not seeing a lot of that in our offices these days. Yeah, yeah. So that's a dark thing to end on. I know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm challenging you yeah. to put reminders in your phone to check up on one person. Yeah. To begin the process of moving back towards giving care that kind of went away during mm-hmm. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just whatever efforts that are feasible for you to make in your own life that work toward community and care are good ones. Like going counseling is great. Joining a good church. Um yeah. Just calling people more regularly or putting yourself out there a little bit. Um, anything that kind of builds those community skills, I think, is helpful. Yeah. I'm having a song from the 70s go through my head right now. What song is people it? People who need people. I don't think I know that one. That was beautiful, <laughs> Shane. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that was embarrassing. So... <laughs> That wraps it up for today. Thanks for giving this a listen, and feel free to share this with friends or family who might be experiencing the same thing. There's a lot of people out there with chronic illness. There are. Yeah, and if you enjoyed this episode, um, feel free to give Whole Self Podcast a follow and leave us a five-star review. Um, And then you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook as Whole Self Therapists. Thank you so much for listening. Any resources or links from today's episode can be found in our show notes. Original music in this episode is by Christopher Burkholder.